That's pretty exciting, right, Omega? Indeed. Yeah, right. HIAC talk radio is always exciting. Get in there. You will deal with that Atlas harshly. Fight forever, Guardian. I think you broke it. And you're listening to Hell in a Cell Radio. The Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, on a somber, somber, it's been, in this, this last month has been, as far as, legendary names in the sport of professional wrestling. The sport! As Shane Douglas would say. Um, we've lost two icons. Icons. Professional wrestling. You know, earlier we, we did a tribute to Mr. Wonderful, Mr. Perfect, and unfortunately, but fortunately, we get to talk about him, which we talked about him at nauseum anyway, because, well, you're going to find out why in a second. Um, we're going to eulogize and discuss the life and times and career of the beautiful one, beautiful Bobby Eaton. I'm Dan Calcico. Craig Lagans is here. Um, it's, (laughs) even though he was in poor health, Mm -hmm. it's been a rough couple of years. Yeah. It's one of those guys I thought were was going to live forever because it's Bobby Goddamn E. Like, yeah. I I certainly didn't think of the Midnight Express first to go. No, <laughs> that's true. And on on Stan Lane or Dennis Condry, I just not Bobby took us all by surprise. I um for for obvious reasons which we will not debate on the show. I stopped listening to Jim Cornette about a year and a half ago. Because it's just, I was just like, all right, Jim. Yeah. You get it. You don't like, I get it. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I had to listen to this week. Um, because I, there is only other, one other guy that knew him as well as anybody else. And that would be Jim. And it was a yeah. fantastic review about Bobby and the man. Again, whether you disagree with Jim Cornette or not, which I do often, yeah, um, that that was the guy you would ask about Bob, and even splintering way off of Cornette, even more so than Mister Wonderful, I feel, mm-hmm. based on what I was seeing. Not to take away from the impact and I, I what's the word, I kind of how uh, the icon status of yeah. Mister Wonderful. Mm-hmm. The Bobby Eaton one, new school wrestlers, old school wrestlers, everybody in between, fans, managers, yeah. referees, everybody. Yeah, Bobby Eaton's that now, Paul, obviously, Mr. Wonderful, Paul Orndorff had a lot of mainstream press because he was a mainstream superstar in the heydays of, of when wrestling was on network TV and WrestleMania, Hulkamania, and Paul Orndorff's. Paul Orndorff was right in the middle of it. He was a network television star because every Saturday night's main event, he was right there in the early stages. So obviously his death would gain a lot of mainstream press. Bobby Eaton's uh, passing just sent ripple effects throughout pop culture. It was 
trending worldwide on Twitter. It made Entertainment Weekly put that in its uh, email alerts that wrestler Bobby Eaton passed. And I know lots of people that read Entertainment Weekly was like, what the hell is that? But you ask any professional wrestler from any era in the last 30 years, they'll tell you exactly who Bobby Eaton was. And, you know, you said it uh, very succinctly, Dan. You know, unfortunately, being a wrestling fan, and we've had to say goodbye to a lot of uh, wrestlers before, you know, before their time, and just in, in general. And in the case of Paul Orndorff, we had to, you know, we gave a tribute, and we had, but we had to go back and remind ourselves of the impact that he had. We've routinely, since we've had this podcast, have gone on and on about our love and affection and our admiration and respect for Bobby Eaton. Uh, when, we, when he was here, we immortalized him. Uh, so this is why it's such a shock with, with, old, with other performers that who have left us. We've, I, you know, had to go, had to look back and, hey, yeah, remember they did this? I remember we did that for Mr. Wrestling, too. I had to remind our fans and our listeners that this guy had a huge impact. Bobby Eaton, everyone, know, everyone knows the impact. Because you talk to anyone that uh, knew him, and you know, I knew a lot of people like you are not fans of Jim Cornette, but if anyone knew Bobby Eaton, it was Jim Cornette. And unlike uh, Bobby Eaton, Jim, there is plenty of people that have plenty of bad things to say about Jim Cornette, and for good reason. And Jim would agree with that. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, um, he knows. <laughs> but finding someone, anyone, wrestler, um, promoter, uh, organizer or otherwise that had anything bad to say about Bobby Heenan is is like looking for a needle in a haystack if you could find it good for you but I don't think it exists oh, no 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 you can't find it because yeah. it doesn't exist no let's no. uh I want to do this real quick while I have Jay Center on the line because Jay Center's not a big wrestling fan mm-hmm. uh, but Jay Center could see the picture of the gentleman who we're talking about who had passed away behind you and we're using the words like beautiful Bobby Eaton. And yes. that is the story I was going to tell you, not the story, but that was the comment mm-hmm. I was going to make to you, Craig, mm-hmm. off air was, is it was not that it had just occurred to me, but it, I, when Bobby passed, yeah, news came out, there's a DVD week that Jim Cornette sold years ago, which was um, just a, a compilation of Midnight Express matches and mm-hmm. eight, 95% of the DVD is matches from the Civic Center. Right, right here in uh, from the mid '80s. In fact, uh-huh. the last match, which I didn't know this was on the DVD until I'm watching, go holy shit! The yeah. last match of the brain who would become the Brainbusters Brain in the WWF is on that DVD. It was in Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh, but cut through all that. There's a bunch of extras from like Cleveland television of the local uh, news guy interviewing Jim Cornette and the Midnight Express, which means they're really interviewing Jim Cornette. Yeah. The Midnight Express just stood there, but it was, but it was um, what was Condry's nickname again? A blank lover boy. Lover, lover boy. boy. It was lover boy. It was lover boy Dennis Condry and beautiful Bobby, Bobby Eaton, Eaton. two of the ugliest motherfuckers in the world. <laughs> Bobby, look behind you. Not a pretty man. Dennis Condry, even goddamn uglier, and he'll tell you. <laughs> the best nicknames of all of wrestling are the simple ones, really, and. Yeah. It was perfect because it was beautiful, Bobby. You son of a bitch. How? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but 
to, to kind of just to piggyback off what you say and you go forward again, Craig, there's not one person that will debate that not only was Bobby Heenan one of the nicest sons of bitches in the game to everyone and everything. Didn't care. In fact, I heard him on one of his better shoot interviews because you really got a strength. Bobby didn't talk bad about anybody. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Not a company. He wouldn't talk trash about WCW, which more props to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, there's a good interview where Tom Pritchard, which is the right guy to talk to Bobby, strings him along, like pulling, extracting, you know, yeah. information out of him to uh-huh. get a, you a know, story. A, yeah. interview and stuff. And Bobby said something. <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, I'm going to blast that on the Internet. He just said something to the effect of just respect other people. They'll respect you back. It's not that hard. That's this yeah. pale white dude from Alabama mm-hmm. telling you all yeah. how it should be. And that's put his money where his mouth is. I haven't heard one person say a terrible thing about him. I never did when he was alive. Nope. And here's another thing that nobody will debate, Craig. And I'll throw it right back to you. And I'll say it like this. Not only was he one of the best, I would debate that he is probably the best professional wrestler. In our generation. In our generation. Yes. Fight me on that. I, no, I, I will not. And anyone who's ever been in the ring with him, from Ric Flair to Steve Austin, will say the same thing. That there wasn't a better a wrestler, performer, anyone to be in the ring with than Bobby Eaton. Stone Cold was so effusive in his praise of Bobby Eaton. Again, when he was alive, he talked uh, about wrestling Bobby Eaton was like a night off. You know, just because even if we retire, we were on the road, you know, seven days a week. But I don't know if I wrestled Bobby Eaton, you know, we'd, ha- we'd have a hell of a match without either one of us getting hurt and fans would be on their feet. I even rewatched the... Um, Steve Austin uh, Undertaker interview he had on the Stone Cold podcast only because I just fast forwarded to the part where you know Undertaker was talking about his first match in the in the WWF he had to throw Dusty Rhodes over the top rope you know one of his idols one of him is one of the Mount Rushmore guys and Austin had to jump in and say yes I felt the exact same way when I was wrestling in WCW they wanted me to they wanted to put the TV belt on me and I had to go over Bobby Eaton. And Austin said, I couldn't lace that guy's boots. But they wanted me to go over on Bobby Eaton because he knew the amount of respect he had. You'd probably heard the story and I have no reason to doubt it that when 90, uh, 97, 98, at the height of the uh, WCW in the 80, in, within the 84 weeks that they were routinely beating the WWF weekly, they're running a Monday Nitro in uh, in Huntsville, and Huntsville, Alabama, and this is during Goldberg's streak. And Goldberg suggested that Bobby Eaton break the streak because a it was in Huntsville, Alabama, Bobby's hometown, and b no one was more instrumental in getting Goldberg uh, wrestle ready than Bobby Eaton, and. Goldberg had been in charge or had any sway in the booking, it would have been that, you know, and we've talked about it. What if, what could the WCW have done right is never let Goldberg lose. If we're up to Bill Goldberg, he'd do a job for Bobby Eaton in a second, especially in Huntsville, Alabama, in his hometown. 
I would have done that one. Yeah. And you could even say, don't make it televised. Make it a house show. This is the pre-internet days. Unless you were there, you were the only ones that seen it. And they could have, I mean, they were padding the numbers anyway. Every time Goldberg was on, 137 in a row. And then the next week, it's 167 There weren't row. that many house shows that week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but that was the respect that, Bob, that Bill Goldberg had for, for Bobby Eaton. He would have ha- ended, had, had Bobby Eaton go over, pin Goldberg uh, in his hometown. The Rock. Can you imagine? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> uh Dwayne uh Dwayne Johnson you know people don't remember the Flex Cavana days when he started out in the USWA and by god why should you yes uh in uh in Tennessee in Memphis and this is when the uh, uh Smoky Mountain uh was in its infancy stages but Bobby Eaton was a guy that helped out uh Dwayne uh and with training and and stuff along with Tom Pritchard uh, and just taking him out to eat, taking him out for uh, to dinner, and, and this is when Dwayne Johnson had zero money, and but Bobby had no problem, you know, taking care of a guy like that, and he did the same for Mark Henry. Uh, Mark Henry uh, talked about all the times that uh, he got a chance to talk to Bobby. It was because of Bobby Eaton that Mark Henry stopped doing bumps, started getting. He was getting. He realized he was getting flipped by guys that shouldn't be able to move him. But Bobby Eaton talked to him about just with this time with the Road Warriors, the only person that could take you off your feet is you. So that's when Mark Henry started, you know, knocking even guys like Ray Mysterio, knocking, throwing them around. And then when Mysterio would go for a sunset flip, Mark would go to sit on him and miss. So now Mark's on his on his feet or on his knees and Ray can get in all his offense. Uh, Bobby Eaton taught him that. Um, and there's so much more, you know, I picked this go. up. I, I, I would read it all the time anyway. This is for fans that you don't know. This is the Midnight Express uh, book and by Jim Cornette. God, I regret not getting that book. The, the 25th anniversary uh, edition. And it's uh, autographed, you know, from you my go. friend Jim Cornette. But he talks, and it's all Jim Cornette's words. Um, and he talked about, he gave a, a bio about each member of the Midnight Express, Dennis Condry and Stan Lane. But guess whose bio was the longest? Gee, I wonder. Was okay. it Bobby's? <laughs> Bobby Lee Eaton uh, started wrestling when he was, he was putting together the ring. Eh. He would go down uh, to the uh, Mid-South Coliseum in Memphis or in the Nashville Fair and, and um, help with the, uh, the ring. And he was 16 years old, and one of the guys didn't show. And these are doing the, the small little spot shows in Jonesboro, Arkansas, where there would be about uh, seven wrestlers total. So you would have three matches and a battle royal. And uh, one of the guys didn't show up, so they asked Bobby, I'll do it. And uh, it was Bearcat Brown. And Bearcat Brown, which we talked about on this very podcast, he was one of the ones that helped integrate. He was part of the first interracial tag team in the South in Tennessee when he uh, teamed up with um, uh, names escaping me. But yeah, don't look to me. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Len Rossi. I'm sorry, Len Rossi. Uh, but he had picked Bobby Eaton and uh, Bobby said, well, I wasn't, wasn't trying to win. I knew I was supposed to lose, but I just wasn't supposed to look good in the match. And that was his first match. 
and he kept on getting picked to uh to come in to lose to guys and to and this may shock those of you who know of Bobby Eaton and know the greatness of Bobby Eaton. Bobby Eaton never took a class, never was trained, never went to wrestling school, never had any formal training to be a professional wrestler. Bobby Eaton just watched wrestling on television, just like every kid his age did in the South. And he just was. He just was. You talk about prodigies, you talk about um, crazy. Uh, but born to do it and this was his path was chosen because at 16 years old he started wrestling and by 18 he was main eventing and he was uh the mid-america heavyweight champion in tennessee going 60 sometimes 90 minute matches with a very young randy savage oh jesus christ yeah none of these matches were ever taped no one were uh, unless you again like like Babe Ruth or World Chamberlain, unless you were there, you wouldn't believe the kind of stuff that those guys were doing. And jump back to flash forward when uh, Savage was in the NWO at the height of the NWO's um, yep. popularity. Mm-hmm. He had a TV match on Saturday night and he picked Bobby Eaton. And, you know, all the NWO guys were just squashing all the WCW guys, quote unquote, left and right. He and Bobby went 25 minutes. Just like they did. Wasn't it like on a worldwide or something? Yeah. It, it was wasn't even it. on a Saturday night. It was on the syndicated show. For those yeah. back in the, the day, there was the regular network shows. And then there was stuff syndicated that would only air locally on different stations around the country. Yeah. This was one of those. Exactly. So <laughs> and Randy Savage and Bobby Eaton uh, had a held them and they couldn't recreate the magic they, they did in 1978. Keep in mind, this is 20 years earlier. That these two guys, a 20-year-old Bobby Eaton and a 19-year-old Randy Savage, were tearing the house down. And uh, the, but Savage picked Eaton to have a match against him, and it didn't. And they had, because they couldn't bury Bobby Eaton. They they started they started together, and Eaton was too good, you know. And this was and by the time this was their first, Eaton and Savage first wrestled each other when Eaton was 20, and by then. Eaton had already teamed up with Andre the Giant to go up against the uh, the Freebirds. He was one half of the Mid American Tag Team Champions, and they lost that to the Freebirds for their first ever championship, first ever tag team title. So, Bobby Eaton was a main event wrestler in Tennessee, George in the George Goulas old Federation, and then later on in uh, the Southern Territory with uh, under uh, Jerry Lawler and uh, Jerry Jarrett as one of the main stars and he would hold tag team championship after tag team championship with guys like Coco Beware um, with the uh, old uh, Duke Myers, who was a, a Tennessee stalwart uh, and then get fused with Steve Kern with, um, with Jerry Lawler, of course. And he was taught a lot more by Tojo, Tojo Yamamoto, who a southern legend, but and you wouldn't think a guy who's five foot three, squat 180 pounds, would be a Tennessee legend, but that's who he was. And he was a very over he, Japanese heel back when xenophobia was all in. Yeah. But he uh he was yeah. one of the guys that that taught Bobby Eaton and it was easy. Heard, yeah. <laughs> you might have heard it on uh on Jim Cornette's podcast, Dan, but for those of you who didn't, Tojo Yamamoto when Bobby was driving, uh Tojo would look over and with his incredibly small hands, 
he grabbed Bobby by the ear and just pressed with his fingernail on the fleshy part of his ear as hard as he could. And he was like, uh, and he's like, ah, stop, don't stop. And Eaton and Tojo said, look in the mirror, look in the mirror, see your face. And he goes, looked in the car mirror and he saw that the face that he was making, yeah, yeah. And then Tojo did it again and didn't put any pressure on his ear. And he still had a grip on it. He said, see the face you make when I apply pressure? Use that face when you're in the ring. So you remember the face you made? Use that every time. And yeah, just that scrunch up. And that's how. That's literally what he did. Yeah. And that's how he taught. And, and Eaton picked that up and passed it forward. He had a um, match uh, in 2006. Uh, uh, it might have been up here in the East Coast. There was a uh, match between Dennis Condry and Bobby Eaton versus the Dudleys. Wow. And, and Bubba Ray talked about it later. He said how Bobby Eaton, this is then he said this, how he was a professional's professional. Because if I didn't know that Bobby Eaton was in the ring, I would know he was there because he never touched me. He would put me in a top wrist lock and... If, again, if I wasn't looking at him, I wouldn't even know he had to hold on me. But that's how he learned. And and these are Bubba Ray Dudley's words. He said, not only, and this is all in the ring, not only did he know where he was supposed to be, he knew where I was Every, supposed to he be. Knew where, yeah. And he taught me on all this on the fly that no one else could do that but Bobby Eaton. That's one of the things he said that, like, Bobby, about himself. And there's very little times where he was like, me, 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 you know, like I said, you were getting it, getting him to tell stories is like getting blood from a stone. You just yeah. couldn't, just <laughs> not happening. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things he said that struck me is, is when they would work, he was just, it just, he couldn't, Bobby couldn't even articulate. Yeah. How. Right. He just knew. Right. He knew in his head what was going to happen and where everybody, where the referee, the other guys in the ring, his partner where he, everybody was going to be at any moment. He knew. Yeah. And, and, and that, that makes the best to me. Yeah. And, and why he would make, uh, obviously wrestling fans or wrestlers who know anything about the midnight express and Bobby Eaton want to be coached and learn from him. And I don't, and Bobby would have made a, a lousy teacher and that's no knock on Bobby. It's just because a, he's not very vocal and verbose, but B, how can you teach something that comes naturally for him? He doesn't even know he's doing it. Yeah. You know, he doesn't, you know, like taking a knee lift over the top rope. Uh, Jim Cornette talked about yeah. the Mr. Wrestling 2. Uh, that was his signature move with a knee lift, something as common as a knee lift. But that was his gimmick, the million dollar knee lift. And because Wrestling 2, by the height of the Midnight Express's popularity when they're first getting the big paydays in 1984, Mr. Wrestling 2 was in his early 50s. But you're working with Bobby Eaton, and that's when their first big program was the Midnight Express versus Mr. Wrestling 2 and Bobby Eaton. Mr. Wrestling 2 would just stand in the middle of the ring. Bobby would get a headlock on him. Two would shoot him off of the ropes. Bobby would come back, and two would hip toss him. Bounce off the ropes. Two would arm drag him. Bounce off the ropes. Two would hit him in the stomach. And then two would hit him with the knee lift, and Bobby would go flying over the top rope. Two never left the middle of the ring. Never moved. Place was going nuts because that was all Bobby Eaton. No one else can do that. 
now or could do it the way he did it. I just want to explain the impact of Bobby on my end of it. Because, you know, by 1989, I'm, you know, I'm six. I went to my first wrestling show. I was watching weekly at that point. Mm-hmm. Everything I could, WCW. You've been watching wrestling 20 years at that point. I don't want yeah. to insult you. I mean that gen- <laughs> yes. genuinely. Yeah, true. So you you know, mm-hmm. but by the time I start watching, it's at the tail end of Jim Hurd fucking up the Midnight Express because <laughs> Jim Hurd's a moron. Yes. Get that word to him. Stick to yeah. pizza. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, 30 years later. Yeah, you're an idiot. Um, <laughs> but it didn't matter because he was with the Dangerous Alliance. You know, he wrestled yeah. matches here and there. And then the Dangerous Alliance got formed and mm-hmm. he was still the public guy. And then he kind of got B-card status, not because of anything he did. It was just the business changed and he was kind of, you know, it's just yeah. Bobby Eaton. Mm-hmm. But in deep into the, the Monday Night Wars. Yeah. You know, I'm ADD, ADHD as hell. Mm-hmm. And even though I watched, I've I know the ask Kelly. I'll watch these shows again, like I'm watching the 1992 stuff, and I know lines coming up or moves coming up. Like, you don't sit still. How you remember any of this? When Bobby Eaton was wrestling Hour One on a Nitro or a Thunder, <laughs> and even in the shit days, right? Stay watching. Mm-hmm. This is even that perception of somebody who. Well, isn't very smart about wrestling, some would argue now, but still not as smart as he was then. Mm-hmm. This is this is a guy. This is somebody important. Yeah. It always has. It's just the way that's what you talk about announcers not being the same as they used to be. Just mm-hmm. on word alone. Wow, they keep it on TV this week. Okay. I'll <laughs> tell you that off. I'll tell you when we're not recording. Um just on word alone, the perception that Bobby Eaton was. In the same lines, just for argument's sake, about names that were big in the business, yeah. he was he was as big as Hogan. He was as right. big as Sting. He was as big as Flair. He was around that long, and he was that class. Yeah. And when, you know, he cut two years later, he was better than all of them. Yeah. Maybe not Flair, but I would argue that he was. As a wrestler, as a whole wrestler, as actual wrestler, He Bobby Eaton couldn't talk. Didn't no. need to. He had Cornette. Didn't right. need to. He had Paul Dangerously. Paulie Dangerously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a wrestler, nah, I don't think even Flair touches him. No. But those are great matches, too. Those are great matches, and, those, and that's what Ric Flair is. You know, I'm not Flair's... insulting Flair. Like, oh, every, no, no. Everybody no, no. understands. No, no, not you. I'm saying everybody oh, yeah. understands what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm not saying, oh, Ric Flair wasn't that good. I'm just saying that's how much better Bobby Heenan, uh, Bobby like, Eaton was. Eaton was. Yes. Yeah. And Ric Flair would say pretty much said the same thing in his tweet in his in his uh, memorialization of Bobby Eaton that he was one of the best he'd ever been in the ring with. And uh, the quick story: there was a, um, I think it was a Cauliflower Ear Club uh, type uh, uh, awards banquet, and uh, Steve Kern received uh, an award. And he said while he was on the dais that. Uh, in his opinion, Bobby Eaton was the greatest wrestler of his time, and the first and the first person to stand up and applaud was Ric Flair. Um, you know, they only had the one. That the makes, one that, that, that means there's no argument against what I said. No. That's the end and, of that discussion. And you and, and pick a given day, he and Flair would probably say the same thing about Ricky Steamboat. Um, that, Which, correct? <laughs> yeah, 
And, sure. I, and you wouldn't argue because it's Ric Flair saying if Ric Flair thinks that Bobby Eaton's, if someone said Bobby Eaton's the best wrestler of his generation and Ric Flair is the first person to stand up and applaud, that's uh, that's your validation right there. They only had one singles match on Nitro, and uh, and you, you know Cornette talked about it in the book when he was booking uh, Nitro and Flair was one of the bookers, and uh, he didn't want to beat Bobby Eaton, didn't want to beat him. He was the world champion. And um, Flair, I think it's okay at that point. Yeah, even Jim Cornette was like, "Why?" And and Heard was like, well, "Why is he giving Bobby Eaton a shot? Why are they? we did we mention that Jim Heard's an idiot? Um, why are we giving Bobby Eaton a a, a match?" No, I don't think we mentioned he is an idiot. Did we mention yeah. Jim Heard's a friggin' idiot? Yes, he is. Oh. And then finally, Cornette just said, "You know what? Just appease the old man. Uh, Rick just beat all of us. You know, beat Bobby. You know, throw me in a ring. You know, I'll grab your tennis racket, knock me out, knock Stan out, knock Bobby out, beat us all." Okay, that'll make the uh, but that uh match she had with Bobby Eaton, their rating that on a Sunday night was the biggest rating they had that year. The only other one was Ric Flair's match against Bobby, um, Bobby against Brian Pillman. And, so, and when we say it was the biggest rating get that year, like it was astronomically a bit larger than the other ratings that year. It was yeah. like plateau, plateau. Ooh, oh, yeah, and as for a Sunday night yeah. show, yeah. But I guess Flair. Sometimes and, you uh, know, you know. Yeah, and uh, but uh, Bobby Eaton, um, you know, it's you can. We talked about his singles career, but um, his part. I've said it on this podcast many, many times. Favorite tag team of all time, the Road Warriors. But the greatest tag team of all time is the Midnight Express with Jim Cornette. Um, they, there is no a better tag team in the 80s. If you're going to study tag team wrestling, and just like you can't mention the Midnight Express, I mentioned the Rock and Roll Express. Those four men, um, Bobby, Dennis, Ricky Morton, Robert Gibson, created uh, magic that has been untouched in professional wrestling. Uh, Arn Anderson said it. He's probably next to Bobby, maybe the greatest tag team wrestler of all time. He said the matches between the Midnight and Rock and Roll Express our textbook, professional wrestling, um, the fact that that feud has gone on for through three decades in five different um, federations says something about the longevity and the chemistry those four guys have. Um, <laughs> Bubba Ray Dudley even said, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Cash Wheeler even said of uh, Bobby Heenan, Bobby Eaton and Dennis. Uh, it's yeah, it's hard. I did the same it's thing. Not, yeah. Uh, but he said, you know, he's one half of the of my favorite tag team in wrestling right now, um, uh, the FTR. He said everyone compares this to Tully and Arn, but I saw I watched more Midnight Express tapes than any tag team I ever saw in my life because of because of that guy because of Bobby Eaton. And that, no, 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 finish what you're going to say. I was going to add on to it. The, uh, the Midnight Express and Rock and Roll Express are what tag team wrestling should be and should always be you know people would say that you know there are other uh tag team wars that uh stick out uh or the, you could the von, the von erickson the Freebirds, or you could even say the dudleys the hardys and the edge and christian they might have more bigger crowds they might have a bigger impact they might have more people watching them but as far as tag team wrestling over a course of years and to have the, the four guys sell out in the Superdome 
in NWA, in Smoky Mountain. They were on top on a card in, in 1985, Dan, when the NWA was first coming up east to the East Coast, they would pack the shows. And in the second one in the Meadowlands Arena, the, the, the card was the, the Road Warriors, who were the AWA Tag Team Champions, against the Koloffs, who were the NWA Tag Team Champions. You had Ric Flair, the NWA Champion, going against Magnum TA. You had Stan Hansen, the AWA Champion, going up against Sergeant Slaughter. But the main event that night on that card, last match of the night, the Midnight Express versus the Rock and Roll Express. A card that stacked and Bobby Eaton and Dennis Condry were in the main event. And five years. Yeah, that's, that's the argument. Yeah, there you that's go. it. That's the argument. And they had only been wrestling together. Uh, their first match was in February. Uh, ironically enough, on a leap year, February 29th, 1984, was the first time the Midnight Express and the Rock and Roll Express ever wrestled each other. A year and a half later in the NWA, they're the main event at the Meadowlands. Just from what they did in the Mid-South. And the Superdome and uh, throughout the NWA. A Midnight Express, Rock and Roll Express match in Houston, Texas was just as loud as um, the Midnight Express, Rock and Roll Express right here in Philly. I had the DVD you were talking about and I was at for out of the five matches on there, I was at three of them. And I was at the uh, match September 25th, 1988, when the Midnight Express with Jim Cornette and Bobby Eaton defeated Tully and Arn uh, to uh, combine the United States Tag Team Championship and the World Tag Team Championship. And that would be the last time that Tully and Arn ever wrestled as a tag team in the NWA. And Charles Barkley was at ringside for that match. Oh, hell, I didn't even know. I don't remember that. Yeah. September 25th, 1988. Yeah, they brought him out before the match. Uh, and coming to ringside, NBA great Charles Barkley. And Charles sat at ringside and he held up the four sign. He was a big four horseman fan. Before the match, Arn Anderson slid out of the ring just to shake Barkley's hand. And uh, they had already started a program that was only six weeks. They had, only, they had already been wrestling each other, the Midnight Express and against Tully and Arn. And uh, that was when uh, Tully and Arn gave their notice. And they could have gone right through. The plan was to have them go right through the Starcade that year. But uh, the offer from WWF came and they left. And the Midnight Express, who were already United States Tag Team Champions, won the uh, World Tag Team title from Tully and Arn in Philly right here. And I got to see this man be uh, a double champion. And uh, it was... They made magic is what I'm saying. Everywhere they went, no no other tag team, no other two tag teams can ever have affected wrestling the way these two have. You don't have that that type of chemistry with those four people. If they were the only match on the card, I would go just because I knew it would be the best match on the card. I don't need to watch anybody else. Because, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Before and, you get there. Yeah. And so I know I say this every week, uh, HIAC Talk Wrestling fans. Your homework, if it should have already been your homework, but just Google, uh, go to YouTube and just put Midnight Express versus Rock and Roll Express. Close your eyes and pick one. Yeah, or don't close your eyes. Watch them all. Yeah. But yeah, no, pick, watch them all. I, I was going to say, I was going to add to what you're saying when you're mentioning FTR is um, mm -hmm. 
Bobby Eaton is <laughs> take this ride with me. It will make yeah. sense. I'll be here. Um, Bobby Eaton is like when you hear about these bands like the Sparks mm-hmm. or XTC and you go, how have I not heard of these guys before? But you literally look them up and every musician that you like yeah. likes them mm-hmm. and says they are amazing. Listen yeah. to them. And they're a musician's musician. Mm-hmm. This guy was a wrestler's wrestler. Yes. Even though you and I, everybody, it seems like everybody has to talk about it, but not enough people know. And they will now. Mm-hmm. The greatness that was Bobby Eaton. That is what Bobby Eaton was. Yeah. He was the guy that everybody, as the wrestlers are like, that guy. Yeah. Kurt, what was it? Uh, Kurt and Sell? Yeah. Kurt and Sell out? Yeah. Thank and you. this was certainly a curtain set out uh, on the way out. Um, yeah, we don't need to go into the tragic end because it is a sad story. Yeah, uh, but do yourself a favor: look up Bobby Eaton versus Ric Flair. Look up Bobby Eaton versus Randy Savage. Yeah. Uh, look up the Midnight Express versus the Rock and Roll Express. And uh, you know, and, and I know uh, some people are listening, going, "But it's old wrestling; it's not going to hold up." No, that's the yeah. point. Yes. Of the Midnight Express versus the Rock and Roll Express is when you watch these matches, this is not the old school wrestling you think where it's hold, rest, hold, rest, rest, hold, rest, hold. Not. It's like watching TV today. Yeah. That's how far ahead of their time they were. And if you find the Rock and Roll Express versus the Midnight Express from the Sam Houston Coliseum in 1984, listen to the crowd. Yeah. And if you can just Watch it with your eyes. Clo- now watch it with your eyes closed, but just listen, and you can hear how the how the match is going, just from the crowd's reactions, because that's the the type of reactions that they elicited everywhere they they wrestled. And with Bobby Eaton, you mentioned the, the wrestler's wrestler. Bobby Eaton to me is the, was the Pete Rose of wrestling. Pete Rose wasn't the, the fastest, wasn't the the strongest, he wasn't the, wasn't the prettiest. He, he wasn't definitely wasn't the prettiest. Bobby Eaton wasn't the tallest. He wasn't the fastest. He wasn't the strongest. He just did everything well, and so he was the best. He was the Pete Rose of wrestling. He, uh, no one came off the top rope more than uh, Randy and uh, Randy. I'm I was saying Randy Savage because when Randy Savage was 19 and Bobby was 20, when they were having those marathon 90 minute matches. In in the Mid America for the Mid America Championship and in, the, in um, George Goulas's fading promotion, they picked up more stuff. And Bobby Eaton would even say to Jim Cornette, "I I saw what Randy was doing. Uh, I couldn't get that move while Randy Savage would grab the guy by his hair and run and jump over the top rope and snap the guy's head on the top rope." And Eaton would say, "I can never do that." And Savage would say, "I'm looking at Bobby Eaton's." elbow off the top rope and I can never do it like that. That was Savage's move, but he never did it the way that Eaton did. I was going to say, man, the Alabama Jam, you know, when when people look at it, it's like, well, it's just a leg drop. Yeah, but mm. did you ever see a leg drop look that good? No. no. The answer is no. And no. With the, no. And with the right opponent, seeing the way he dropped it on Arn Anderson, the way he dropped it on Flair, the way he dropped it on everybody. And by the time we saw it in 88, it, you know, he had already been doing it for about 10 years. And if you look at early um, that some of them are in the, the Midnight Express book, because Jim Cornette was taking pictures of Bobby Eaton when he was a wrestling, when he was wrestling way before he became a manager. 
So he already knew how good Bobby Eaton was. And the pictures he took of Bobby Eaton coming off the top rope, he's 15 feet above the top rope. You know, and the guy was on the other side of the ring. And he never killed and anybody doing it. No, never heard a single There's a reason person. why Booker T stopped doing the Houston hangover. Yes. Which is one of my favorite moves, but there's a reason why that stopped after a while. You're flying blind. Bobby <laughs> Eaton came off the top rope on everyone, not just with the, the leg drop, the elbow, the elbow the, and the knee. the knee, the fist drop that he got from his idol, Jerry Lawler. Again, uh, you say a fist drop. Well, that's not a big deal. But we're talking about Bobby Eaton. Yes. Looked so like Bobby, he murdered a guy. Yeah. And he would go again, 15 feet above the ring and then come down. Never hurt a single person. Then it goes to his uh, character and why everyone wrestlers universally adored uh, Bobby Eaton. One of my um stories that uh, Jim Cornette told about the uh, level of respect Bobby Eaton had just by being himself and just by being quiet because everyone knows Bobby wasn't verbose. I guess in a when the in the uh, 89 when the uh, Freebirds when the Freebirds were the United States Tag Team Champions and the uh, Midnight Express were, were face and which you know didn't go didn't go very far. But I where the however the match was going, the Freebirds were being dicks. Go figure. It was a, it was what? A, yeah, it was a Jim Garvin, Michael Hayes Freebirds. It wasn't the real Freebirds. So Jimmy Garvin was being Jimmy Garvin. Yeah, but you I know. like those Freebirds. Couldn't stand them. They were I, I, under, I understand. I understand. But, uh, but I'm always but, wrong. Yeah, but no, you weren't. No, <laughs> I'm, you weren't I'm, wrong. Kidding, I'm, but, kidding, I'm kidding. Hey, a lot of people like Stan Lane and Bobby more than like Dennis and Bobby. I'm you always know, wrong think. about everything. <laughs> But on this particular match, uh, they didn't. They were taking liberties, and uh, they were being assholes. They didn't like it, and Cornette was, was yelling. You know, he wasn't even trying to hide his disgust, even though he was the manager was supposed to yelling anyway. He was yelling profanities at Jimmy and and Michael Hayes. So they got to the backstage, and um, Stan was like, "I'm I'm sick of this shit, and we're going. We're going right now." And they went to the back, and they were about to and shoving and. When Bobby Eaton came in, out, he was the last one in and started screaming at everybody. And you just saw Jimmy Garvin, Michael Hayes, Stan Lane, and uh, Jim Cornette. And they were like, oh, uh, we're sorry. Sorry. Won't happen again. That's all. When you piss off Bobby Eaton, you done gone too far. So... Do you think that was one of those moments, a few moments in life where Cornette was speechless? He was. He even said that. Because I said, I've never, I haven't, it's not only that I haven't seen, um, uh, I know Bobby gets angry. I've never seen Bobby get angry. Get angry, yeah. Yeah. And when he started yelling, that's when everyone (laughs) shut up. I think my favorite story I've heard, um, well, there's two, but I've mentioned that one before where they go to the convenience store and and a homeless guy is in there ask for money and Bobby just buys him a bag full of shit, yeah. like a whole bunch of stuff, sends him on his way, get out to the car and Jim's like, or Dennis looks back and goes, Bobby, you just killed that guy. He's going to go down there. He's going to get his ass killed. Because all this stuff, you know, he comes out with a cigar and a bottle of wine and all kinds of food. Uh, but uh, my favorite one I heard, mm-hmm. and I just discovered it this past, uh, you know, unfortunately with this passing, was uh, Bobby was married to um, Bill Dundee's daughter. Bill Dundee's daughter, Donna. Yeah, who, unfor- what, who unfortunately she had just she just passed away. The, the unfortunate de- details were she had passed away two months prior. 
Yeah. Or was it a month? It June or month, July. Yeah. It was yeah, a month. Yeah, it was six weeks ago. But they got married, stayed married. Had yeah. had a, he, he when I say a nice guy, also stayed married, didn't screw around. In fact, the reason yeah. he stayed WCW when Stan Lane and uh, Jim, Jim Cornette left, left is because I gotta I gotta yeah. pay for I, I'm getting yeah. paid a six figures here, man. I can't leave. Yeah. Um but my favorite story is this Bill that you know that. And it's funny because I told the story to Kelly and she had the same reaction. I, you know, child, you know, ch- child molesters, rapists, spousal abusers, racists, all these people in the business. But don't you dare marry one of the boys. Yeah. But Bill Dundee was, a, you know, an old, yeah. old, old mind of wrestling. And he's like, yeah. my daughter will not date any of the wrestlers. And when he found out that she was dating wrestler. He flipped out. Who the yeah. fuck is it? Who is it? And she goes, it's Bobby Eaton. And he, he was like, at least you're dating okay. the right one. Never the, mind. Yeah. <laughs> and the way she told it, he said when he, she, when he, Bill Dundee found out, he said, I'm going to kill him and then I'm going to fire him. He's never going to work again. <laughs> okay. Who is he? Bobby Eaton. Okay. <laughs> Never mind. At least, you, at least you picked a good one. <laughs> you picked the okay. nicest one. Yeah, and it, yeah, because in the wrestling, but you, wrestlers who have kids don't want that. Unless you're you're a heart, you don't want your children anywhere near a wrestler. Uh, it, I remember the the Dave Grohl rule. Dave Grohl said if his daughter ever brought home a musician, he would get the kid a record deal that day if he promised to never see my daughter again. And that was how it is in, in, in wrestling as well. But as adamant as Bill Dundee was about none of his kids, his daughter not dating, dating a wrestler, found that it was Bobby Eaton. I'm okay with that. Yeah, because that was a, the, the, he knew that Bobby Eaton, yeah, you, you keep, you, you hold on to a guy like that. Both his daughter and if, if you're Bill Dundee as a promoter, you hold on to a, a Bobby Eaton. Bobby, now the last thing I will say about him, what makes his his impact so great, he had, and I said this when he was alive, and I hopefully I probably didn't say it enough, but it, it especially holds up now. Bobby Eaton had the best working punch in professional wrestling history. When he threw that right hand, and it, he connected, never hurt it, but it looked like it hurt like hell. And you can see his influence because when Jim Cornette had his only match on WCW, when he wrestled Paul Lee dangerously at that uh, uh, Great American Bash, he threw the right hand just like Bobby Eaton. And, and I know Bobby taught him how. And Thank just God. Swing and just sw- when he popped Ric Flair with that, and you can just hear it, and you could just see Flair sell it with that. Ah! Yeah. Ah! The best working right hand in the history of professional wrestling. If you're a wrestler, you want to know how to throw a good working right hand, or if, watch Bobby Eaton. If you're a wrestler, you just want to know how to do, to be in the right position and know, not have any wasted motion, watch Bobby Eaton. Bobby Eaton. If you want to get, be a wrestler and come off the top rope and not hurt anyone, watch Bobby That's Eaton. If you want to take a great bump and sell for a, a, a wrestler with limited uh, mobility, watch Bobby Eaton. Um, I cannot stress that enough. Bobby Eaton made wrestling matches great. He made his opponents great. He made his tag team great. The greatest tag team that's ever been was the Midnight Express and because of Bobby Eaton. And the last thing I'll say about the impact of Bobby Eaton, 
you know, they, the Midnight Express had to change partners midstream. Uh, Dennis Condry unexpectedly left the Midnight Express with no explanation given. And they had to uh, get a new partner, Stan Lane, and, you know, the rest is history. But when asked, uh, Jim, uh, yeah, Dennis Condry had left and you guys picked up and went going. What if Bobby Eaton had left instead of Dennis Condry? And Cornette, without blinking, said we would have found we would have found someone else and got a whole different name because the Midnight Express does not work without Bobby Eaton. And that's all you need to know about Bobby Eaton. Dennis Condry leaves. Yeah, it's a big loss, but we'll carry on. Bobby Eaton leaves. It's done. Yeah, we're done. Nope. Can't work without him. I think we'll just leave it at that. Craig, where can people follow you? They can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter at Craig Lagans, C-R-A-I-G-L-I-G-G-E-O-N-S. Follow me on Twitter at DanLaw83. Follow me on Facebook soon. Nine days. DanLaw83. <laughs> Count down, baby. Count, Count down, down. Nine days until I say <laughs> something, you know, super <laughs> controversial, like, you know, wear your mask to get the vaccine and I'll be banned again. Uh, follow me on all social media platforms. Dan Lawley 3 HIAC Talk Radio is at HIAC. Talkradio.com. <clears throat> Search on your smartphone, Spotify, any podcast app, HIAC Talk Radio Network. For Craig Lagans, I'm Dan. See ya. <laughs> <laughs>